This is Deep Blue, where we get the true life stories of BYU athletes, coaches, and fans. Here's your host, Jerem Jordan. On today's show, I talk with a senior associate athletic director in the BYU Athletic Department. She's perhaps the busiest person I know on four different committees or councils in addition to the day job. And she also is working on a doctorate, so I'm shocked she even had time for this. She is Liz Darger. Liz, what's up? How are you, Drew? I am great. Okay, let's talk about your title. Okay. Senior Associate Athletic Director. Yes. You're one of the uh, you know figures in the athletic department, Tom Homo and, and Brian Santiago and others, which is awesome. You're a senior woman administrator. That yes. doesn't mean you're over the women's sports. Correct. Tom's over all the sports. He is. Um, and then there's a million other things you do. Uh, how do you have time for all of this? You're very busy. I, I, I am very busy, and uh, I don't know how I have time for it. <laughs> I think um, I do my best to prioritize, and I know things fall through the crack, crack sometimes, but it's a season of life, and I keep telling myself that, and things will ease up at some point, and, and I'll be able to put some more time into some other things. But, but I'm really grateful. Everything that keeps me busy are things that I really enjoy and I absolutely love, and so who am I to complain? A lot of people... Uh, their whole day is filled with things they don't enjoy, and my days and nights are filled with things I, I absolutely love. Well, I think people will enjoy our conversation, so I'm excited about it. Okay, so there's a million things to unpack with you, but at the heart of this show is understanding who a person is. So where'd you grow up? What's the family dynamic like? Great. I love that because I love my family. I grew up in Boise, Idaho, and uh, the second of five children. And uh, neither of my parents were particularly athletic, uh, but my older brother liked sports, and I loved him. And so I kind of started playing sports because of him and because of some, some friends. Uh, he actually taught me how to read a box score in the newspaper, and so every morning we'd have our cereal, and I'd, I'd read the box scores with him. Uh, uh, but grew up, grew up playing a lot of sports in Boise, um, basketball, volleyball, softball mostly, uh, but also our family went boating a lot, a lot of outdoor things. Um, but my siblings and I, uh, we had a really great growing up together. We argued like like any siblings do, but now as adults, we, we really are dear, dear friends of each other. My siblings and their spouses are uh, my best friends, the most important people in my life. But grew up in Boise uh, doing that, playing sports, also sang in the high school choir. I was president of my high school choir. Soprano, uh, alto. Alto. Alto, okay. alto yes. And, I, and I, I don't have a soloist voice, but I am really good at harmonizing. And so that's kind of my jam. Uh, and so love church, love singing in church choir. And... Um, I was in my high school musical Music Man. I was Townsperson number three. Uh, <laughs> I love the I, Music Man too. It's I, great. I, my basketball coach was really kind because I to to let me get out of the end of some practices to go be, oh. uh, to be in the Music Man as well. But that That's was really that, nice. that was important to me, and it, yeah. and and really kind of especially because I wasn't you know it's not like I was the lead. Um, <laughs> I was just a Townsperson, but I really enjoyed that experience and wanted it, and he was supportive of it, and. Um, so really enjoyed that experience, too. Did student government and uh, all sorts of things in Boise. Loved growing up there. Uh, came to BYU uh, to do my undergraduate work. I had actually committed to play volleyball at Utah State as a preferred walk-on, not a scholarship player. Uh, and uh, then it just didn't quite sit right with me. And as I prayed about it more, felt like I should go to BYU, which for a lot of people makes a lot of sense. Um, but, but I didn't grow up a BYU fan. Did you grow up um, a Boise State fan? Uh, I did. I, I liked Boise State, and I actually grew up a University of Utah fan. My parents, oh, um, I know, right? 
<laughs> I know, I know. My, both my parents uh, went to University of Utah, then my mom actually graduated from Wellesley. Um, and so it's not in like Boston, we, right? uh, mm-hmm. yes. so it's not like we didn't like BYU. It just really wasn't a school that was talked about much. Uh, and so when I felt like I should go to BYU, I also knew I wasn't good enough to play sports at BYU. I was a better than average high school athlete, volleyball, basketball, mostly. Um, and so I knew coming here, it meant that I was giving up playing Division One athletics, where I had that chance, again, as a walk-on, but I had that chance at Utah State. You can still get the t-shirt from uh, Intramurals, though. You know? And I did. How many times? Don't you worry. Uh, three? Nice. Yeah. What's, what sports? Yeah. Uh, co-ed volleyball uh, and women's flag football and women's basketball or volleyball. I actually don't remember okay. now. Winning that shirt is a big deal here. It really is. It is a it huge really deal. It really is. Huge deal. And uh, yeah, those shirts, I actually, my mom put them into a quilt for me with That's some other shirts awesome. to make sure that I properly, um, you know, remembered those experiences. <laughs> but no, I loved playing intramurals here. I had a great experience. Really, really a, a, a very positive experience at BYU. Um, but I, I missed I missed sports, played intramurals, uh, and got involved with um you know, some other things on campus. Uh, but so it's, it's really interesting now to come full circle and be, you know, and be, be involved in the athletic department. Were you in choirs, musicals? So I did, a, like I did a semester of university chorale nice. here at BYU. Really um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, kept singing in the, in the ward choir and that sort of thing. Uh, but after I graduated from BYU, I'd actually started coaching high school basketball at Tim Few, um, which is an interesting story, if you don't mind me telling it. Please. So I, my sister was playing college volleyball at Colorado State back in the Mountain West days. They were a, a, a huge rival of BYU. Um, they were ranked as high as number three in the country at one point when she was playing for them. And so I was visiting her for a weekend and met her friend Reagan Scott Peebly, at the time just Reagan Scott, she wasn't married yet, who was coaching basketball at Colorado State. Uh, Reagan played her high school basketball here at Mountain View. Um, and... I was a senior at BYU, had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I was studying marriage, family, human development. It was called Family Sciences at the time. And I said, Reagan, how'd you get your job as a college coach? That seems really like a cool thing. And she just, she said, oh, well, I played college basketball. And so it led into it pretty naturally. Um, she said, well, you should just coach, just start coaching. I said, well, how do you just start coaching? And uh, I said, you know, I didn't play college ball. I wasn't that good a high school player. I don't know, you know, that I'd be that good at it. She said, well, my dad just got the job at Tim Few High School, uh, and that's right by BYU. You should just go coach with him. I said, no, no, I don't, I don't think I'd be good enough. Um, later on that day, she handed me her phone, and she said, hey, my dad wants to talk to you. And <laughs> unbeknownst to me, she called her dad and said, hey, you should, you should hire this girl to help, help you coach. And so Ray Scott, her dad, invited me to go to an open gym, and, uh, and I fell in love with coaching. And in the Thunderdome. In the Thunderdome. The Thunderdome, yes, the early days of the Thunderdome. So, uh, loved it, and so then that kind of led into what I was going to do with the rest of my life. Like, okay, I love coaching. Anyone that knows high school coaching knows it. It it doesn't pay that well, and so I, I knew I needed another job in the schools, and decided I I would pursue school counseling. I loved my high school counselor, um, and so I came back to BYU to get a master's degree in school counseling psychology, and uh, continued to coach at Timview throughout that master's program. And then uh, worked for a year at Oak Canyon Junior High as their ninth grade coach and school counselor. And then worked at Tim Few, or sorry, at Timpanogos High School uh, as a school counselor and their varsity girls basketball coach for four years. And then also coached club basketball uh, in addition to that with Ray Stewart, who's now 
on our women's basketball staff here. Was he an um, assistant with you, or how did no? Work? He was the head coach, and he I was, was head coach, and I was, assistant. and I was his assistant. Gotcha. Yeah, we had a we had a great time, and Zojan Harry and some of the other greats, uh, Mackenzie Morrison, that have played here. We we coached in club basketball. Morgan Bailey, I was her coach, her oh, at Tippinogas. Good players here, and then she, you know, uh, played for us on the club team. So it was a great experience. Uh, then UVU had an opening for an assistant coach, and um, again, I thought I don't I don't know that I could coach Division One basketball. I'm kind of faking it here at the high school. So this is again where you're like, I'm not. <laughs> I'm good not. Yeah, who this. who am I? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so even then, you didn't feel like okay, I know what I'm doing now. Oh, not not at all. Okay, not at all. Uh, what what <laughs> I what I I feel like I have a pretty decent. Um, self-perception in terms of I, I, I know where my strengths are and mm-hmm. I know where my strengths are not. And so high school coaching, uh, I was really great at rallying people together. I was great at motivation. Um, I was I, I, I was really solid coaching post players. Um, but when it comes to, you know, offensive, defensive scheming, not my strength. And watching film, breaking down film, not my strength. And so I had great assistants to help me with that. So going to Division One, I'm thinking, okay, that all goes up a notch and, and how am I going to do that? But the head coach um, just really encouraged me. He said, just apply. And she needed a recruiting coordinator and, um, and, and, and someone to help with the post as well. So she offered me the job and I was there for six years and loved it. Worked with Dan Nielsen uh, there who, you know, was an assistant coach here and now is the head coach at UVU. Uh, and I, and, and, you know, focused on my strengths, recruiting, uh, liaison with academics, uh, co- helped coach the post players. Um, and then learned some things along the way too of, of some of the other areas to, to help develop those, but loved my time there. And then an opportunity came up here at BYU, Janie Penfield Rasmussen, my predecessor, uh, who I'd been roommates with about 10 years before. No, I didn't realize that until recently. Oh, really? Yeah. So you you got your roommate's job after she yes. decided to kind of be more of a mom, right? Yes. And Janie, here's the other connection with Janie. So she played volleyball at Colorado State. Also, You're she, just tied into Colorado State volleyball. She hosted my sister on my sister's recruiting visit. Oh, wow. And so that's As like a fellow member of the church. Exactly. Their head coach gotcha. exactly was wise to, to put them together. And so um, so then when Janie was working here, then my my sister, Emily Darger Deans, she was the marketing director for BU Athletics for a number of years. I have a fun Emily story. Do you? OK. Yeah. Her husband, <laughs> Logan, uh, played football here and studied film. And um, and so so Janie and Emily were good friends, but also co-workers for a while. And I was Janie's roommate for for a while. Um so Janie called and just said, "Hey, I'm going to step away, and I think you should apply." And I, it, she, she reached out to a number of people, but, and again, I thought, "Are you kidding me? I don't know how to so do this." So again, you're going, "I'm not. This isn't I, capable, ready." Yeah, I'm. A, I'm an assistant women's basketball coach, barely, you know, faking my way through that at a, you know, at, at the school down the road, and I, I don't know how to how to do this. <laughs> I, I did have two years of being the 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 women's athletic director at Timpanogos High School, but we all know that's very, it's very different than sure. than college athletic administration. Are you um, thinking I have no shot at getting the job? Or are you like, um, maybe? I th- Because she reached out to me, I thought, okay, like she's not going to reach out to someone that she does because Janie knows the job and Janie knew me. Yes. And so... She's, also, she's <laughs> obligated as your roommate a little bit, but she also <laughs> knows that you're good enough. Well, yeah. Because if you weren't, she wouldn't Yeah, have, so, right? I, so, I, so there's a part of me yeah. that was like, okay, it, it, this is... I think I would have a chance of, of getting this job, but yeah. but knowing how to do it was a whole other story. But but as I, I looked into it more, and again, I'd been a roommate while she was in that job, so I, I knew a little about it. Um, 
I actually you felt probably like heard about the highs and the lows. Oh, the absolutely, roommate, right? absolutely. <laughs> there were a lot of highs and some and some lows. Um, but I thought, you know, this actually plays to my strengths a little bit in terms of um, uh, organizational um, things of, of, of the organization of an athletic department, some internal operations, and being a sport administrator uh, provided an opportunity to maybe not have the depth of influence with one team, like women's basketball, you're 16 players, but to have influence over lots of teams and to be able to... Um, you know, help with vision and mission of a whole athletic department and uh, coordinating um, everything that it takes for an athletic department to be successful. And so the more I looked into it, I was getting kind of excited, like, okay, maybe I'd have a shot. And I think I could be good at this with, with some, you know, with an opportunity, with some practice. And so my parents were serving a mission in Dallas at the time in the, um, oh, what is it called? Essentially helping people find jobs. Um, Employment. Oh, self-reliance. Self-reliance. So my parents had had uh, were serving a mission in Dallas and self-reliance. They were helping folks uh, find jobs, uh, and so they had all sorts of great resources. Were really excited to help me with my, you know, my resume and preparing for my interview. <laughs> like we do this all the um, time. And and that was kind of a gauntlet. I mean, the interview experience was was pretty intense, um, but I was excited for it, and 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 essentially. Uh, I I told Tom I just said, hey, give give me a year to figure this out. I can't guarantee you that I'm going to be great in the first month or first few months, but give me a year, and I think I could be really good at this. Are you in the interview process or mm-hmm. after you're hired? No, in the interview process. Like I know I'm I don't have as much experience mm-hmm. as maybe somebody else who had mm-hmm. done this, but give me a year. Yeah, okay. I feel like I have I have some 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 strengths or some gifts or some talents that um. That, that, that could be helpful here. And he knew my sister uh, and, and really enjoyed working with her. So I think I'm, I'm sure that was helpful. And he knew Janie. You had some good reference. So there, yeah, there are a lot of, there, there are a lot of people that, that I think Tom admired and enjoyed working with that, that were helpful uh, to my cause. Um, and so here I am now, uh, year seven, and, uh, and truly feel so fortunate and so grateful to Tom who really did. I mean, he took a huge chance on me. I was an assistant women's basketball coach. And he took a chance on me and brought me in and has mentored me for over six years now uh, in such a loving, um, wonderful way that only Tom Homo can. I'm so grateful for him and for his leadership and his mentoring um, and grateful for him taking a chance and seeing someone with maybe some potential um, and, and, and being willing to give me a shot and an opportunity. Are you still that person that doesn't feel like you can do it, or do you feel a, a, a certain level of confidence now, or is it just in the application of the new thing that I'm talking about? Right, great question. Um, I, if if my job right now were the only thing on my my plate, I <laughs> I've gotten to the point now where I where I feel. Um, yeah, where I feel settled somewhat. And there are definitely new challenges that come, you know, COVID, uh, as we prepare for the Big 12. I, you know, there are lots of new challenges that have come and will come. But I feel uh, settled and, and, and confident in most of my roles in my job. Um, but there, there are other opportunities that have come and that are part of my life and everyday life that, uh, uh, that, that compound things that make it to where I think there's always an element of, of imposter syndrome or just feeling like, what am I doing here? And, and do, why on earth are they trusting me to do this? Um, uh, but realizing that, you know what, I think a lot of, I think a lot of us feel that way. And so, um, 
giving people grace as we all are doing our best um, with what we have to make a contribution. Um, and I certainly have felt a lot of grace from a lot of people over the years for me and my, <laughs> my mistakes as I'm trying to figure it out too. Where has the school counselor come out the most in your different roles? I love any time a student athlete comes to chat with me, uh, whether it's about uh, what they what they want to do after they graduate, whether it's about what they want to major in, or whether it's about relationships in their life or how they're balancing their student athlete experience, which is a lot. They don't have a lot of free time. Any of those things, that's uh, uh, the best part of, of my day is any time I'm with a student athlete. And so I treasure, I treasure those, those times when they come to, to seek my advice or guidance. Um, and I, I'm not as brushed up on all the opportunities anymore on what, you know, what it takes to prepare for graduate school or what the job market looks like. And we've got professionals that do that and do it so well. Um, but I appreciate the chance to, to, uh, to talk with student athletes and brainstorm with them and think through things and just be a sounding board for them. Um, so, so that's probably where I feel the most of the school counseling part come out. This job in years gone by would have been uh, less probably personal, uh, but now it's extremely personal. Last summer, racial injustice, COVID. Now it's Big 12. We'll get a lot more into uh, NCAA Common Ground and LGBTQ+. Uh, plus. Um, there's a lot that goes into that. I almost feel like you need to be a counselor or a psychologist of some kind to almost wrap your arms around what it is to take care of 600-plus student-athletes. Mm -hmm. You have a massive athletic department. Mm -hmm. They have unique needs. They're from all over the globe, all over the states, different religions, different races, different cultures. Yeah. How do you manage that yeah. as, a, as an athletic department? How do you manage that? I think one of the most important things, and Tom leads the way on this, is we are a student-athlete-centered athletic department. And a lot of athletic departments say that, or athletic directors say that, but I'm not sure... Um, I'm not sure you'll find a department that backs that talk up as much as we do, or I hope maybe, maybe I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound proud, but, um, but we really, really try and back that up in how we function. And that means that every employee, whatever they're doing, even if they're in a, in a position that doesn't interface with student athletes as much, but that, 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 that that's central to why we have a job, why we're doing what we're doing is for student athlete welfare and to help them be successful and thrive. But you're right, the uh, student athletes from so many different backgrounds, um, those that are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and those that are not and still choose to have their student athlete experience here, uh, those that are straight and those that are LGBTQ or uh, identify as same-sex attracted, um, those that are uh, you know white or those that are uh, uh, black, those that are Asian, those that are Latino, uh, you know, from international student athletes from all over the world, uh, mental health issues, the, the, just, you know, broken families, intact families. There, there are so many uh, different needs. And I think those needs have always been there. But certainly in the past few years, it feels like they've come more to the surface where uh, student athletes are talking about it more and we're willing to talk about it more. And so and none of us can do it ourselves. It is about uh, having having resources, having professionals that can help address a lot of these needs. Um, but it's also about each of us taking that really to heart, how Tom leads, um, and those touch points we can have. So when Reagan Scott Peebly said, you should just coach, and called her dad, she took five minutes out of her life that literally changed my life. She changed my life with, a, with, a five, with five minutes. And... Um, and Coach Kathy Nixon at UVU saying, you should just apply, come coach. 
what took her a minute changed my life. And Janie deciding to call me up changed my life. These people that have taken a minute out of their life to, to, to nudge me um, have, have changed my life. And we all have those opportunities. It doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be five minutes. It literally can be a minute. But checking in with student athletes and how are you doing? And I don't think I've met you yet. What's your name? And, and, and how are things going at practice? Uh, but using those opportunities to make little connections. Um, and, and again, we've got professionals that are amazing in terms of helping our student athletes with mental health, with academic services, uh, with diversity and inclusion and belonging initiatives. Uh, you know, we, we've got professionals that are doing outstanding work to lead a lot of those initiatives, but it's also on every single one of us. We don't hire people and say, it's your job alone to solve these problems. It is on every single one of us, even as we hire professionals to help us oversee initiatives. Uh, it has to be every single one of us taking every opportunity we can. You oversee student-athlete welfare, gender equity, Title IX liaison. Let's unpack that. What does that mm -hmm. mean? What does that look like? So Title IX liaison, I, uh, like a lot of areas of campus, uh, liaison with our Title IX office on, uh, on, on campus. And so there are a couple parts to that. Uh, the one is working with our Title IX office in terms of education for our student-athletes around uh, our, uh, the campus policy on, um, on sexual harassment, uh, and then also the resources that are available through campus. Uh, and 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 in helping to ensure that all of our student athletes, all of our staff, are educated about those policies and about resources available. Um, but then there's also the portion of that for the gender equity portion, kind of the more I guess traditional Title IX with, with sports, at least what, people, what people think people of are familiar with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with gender equity, and so I, along with a with a team of of some others. Um, uh, look at our gender equity in terms of our participation numbers, uh, our scholarship dollars, and then what is kind of referred to as the laundry list, which is every every everything else in terms of the support that we give student athletes. And so uh, we're continually evaluating that within the department. So that's that one part of it. Um, and some of these other parts... Uh, and I'm really grateful we have been able to hire great people to help in these areas too. Student athlete welfare, uh, you know, we we've made a couple hires in the past uh, in the past year. Uh, Whitney Johnson, who has been on Whitney Johnson, yeah, yeah, she's the real deal. Whitney Johnson's fantastic, and so she is our associate athletic director for student athlete development, diversity, and inclusion, and uh, and so she is is moving a lot of those really important efforts forward. Um, and uh, then also we recently hired Coralie. Uh, Paul Tidwell retired after a number of years. Uh, and so uh, Coralie Alexander. We also recently hired Coralie Alexander to help oversee our student-athlete experience and welfare area. Gary Verone, who's moved in from compliance to overseeing our student-athlete experience built for life area. So that's an area where uh, it, when I first started, um, it was mostly me, and then we had some some volunteers that, that would help. And it's an area where we've seen a lot of growth with new positions. And I think an area that will continue to grow as the needs of our student athletes again are becoming more more apparent. Um, and we want to we want to help support them um, with their their limited time and with all the the demands and pressures that they feel. So that's it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's so much. Well, there. I'm a sport administrator too. There's so much there. Okay, so that's the part that maybe people are most familiar mm -hmm. with is sure. sport administrator. How do you administrate certain sports? Because those are split among uh, uh, you and Brian, or are there a few more? Yes, yes. So Tom is the sport administrator for football. Uh, and then Chad Lewis is the sport administrator for men's and women's swim and dive. And then Brian and I split up, split up the rest. Um, 
and and Brian is a huge chunk of those teams. And the rest, we're talking uh, like nine or ten each, right? Right, right. So it's like well, twenty-one my, sports, or something. Mm-hmm. And and I have less sports, but the student athlete, I, I oversee men's and women's cross country, indoor track and field, and after track and field. So so that alone, athletes. the track and field is is a is a large team, and then I also oversee women's gymnastics, women's soccer. And then our cheer squad and our cougarettes uh, as, as well. People forget uh, cheer squad and cougarettes are contained within the athletic department. They are. And that, it's not like that everywhere, but, but it's a, it's a, we love it. It's wonderful how it works at BYU. We're so grateful to have them within the athletic department. Um, and they aren't, so they aren't NCAA-sponsored sports. Uh, and so they don't have all – it doesn't look exactly the same in terms of their resources or their opportunities. So um, you guys choose to include them in the athletic yes, department, Yes, we do. That's cool. We do. And also Cosmo and the dunk team as well, and that continues to evolve. The greatest mascot in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so sport administrator for those those different sports, uh, really, I mean, our, our head coaches are phenomenal and their coaching staffs. I mean, they they really administer you know, and minister within their teams. But but we are there to help um, to help problem solve, to make sure they have the resources they need uh, to work with student athletes that may be uh, struggling to support coaching staffs, to uh, educate, and to train and, and support them. Um and 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 it's a really fun part of the job. And it, and you're right; it's the job that's probably the most visible. That, that if a fan comes, that that's what they think of, uh, is they think of that that sport administration part of it. Um, you know, you we we travel with with our teams when they're in NCAA play, and and other times throughout the year we'll we'll travel with them, try and go to most hey, of their the home events. Trip too, you know? The foreign trips, can't oh, yeah. forget the foreign trips. Those are really a, a really really neat experience. Um, so, so, so that's those are kind of the flashy parts of the, of the job, uh, but then you know there are these other parts that are really important to make sure a department functions effectively as well. That are that we all all of us in the department, even all of us sport administrators, have other things we do besides sport administration. And that's also the departments around the country are set up different ways. There are some athletic departments where. If you're a sport administrator, that's all you are, and you may have a number of sports, but that but that is what you do, um, and um, and there are others where it's like us, where you're a sport administrator and you have other duties, and so um, so I, I I love it. I'm I'm really uh, happy to have the sport administration side, but also to have these other areas that are that are that are critical areas and that that. Um, where I'm able to interact with, uh, I also oversee human resources for our department, and so I'm able to interact with all of our employees and uh, and work through that process whenever we uh, whenever we hire folks and and working on continual professional development and um, and and plans with all of our employees of how we can all uh, have continuous improvement. And so uh, I wouldn't give up one or the other. I really enjoy both of those parts of my job. Okay, let's talk about some of your other roles. Uh, WCC Executive Council. WCC Championship and Sport Administration Cabinet, NCA Common Ground Leadership Team. I want to talk a lot about that. Uh, and then the Young Women General Advisory Council of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Again, these, hey, you have a lot going on things. So let's start with the WCC Executive Council and Championship and Sport Administration Cabinet. What does that mean? Yes. So every conference in the NCAA has a, has a governance structure. And uh, in the West Coast Conference, they uh, the the way they have it the executive council consists of from every school the athletic director the senior woman administrator and the faculty athletic representative which is david hart for us at byu and that executive council reports to the president's council of the west coast conference and uh is is really kind of the 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 governance body where uh most of the most things are voted on um the champion sport administration and championships cabinet that is uh, 
a, a cabinet that feeds into the executive council where we do a lot of kind of the work behind the scenes. Uh, so it might be studying if we, you know, if the conference wants to look at the structure of uh, how we set up a season for a team or if we have a conference tournament or not or uh, how we um, how we pay officials or, or whatever it is. And so, so that cabinet uh, does a lot of the behind-the-scenes work and compiling of information and talking through things, and, uh, and then it's presented to that executive um, council. So that's how it works in the West Coast Conference. Uh, the, big, the Big 12 uh, structure will look a little bit different. And so there's, in, in most conferences, there's always a place for the athletic director, the senior woman administrator, and the faculty athletic rep, and the president, and then often some others as well. So, mm. so yet to be seen exactly how that structure will look and how I'll fit into it, but anxious to be involved however they need me. Okay, Young uh, Women General Advisory Council of the Church. You work with my homie, Sister Bonnie Corden. I do. She is my homie. I love her. The safety video. Safety zone. Safety zone. She spoke at General Conference. She did. Did a great job. She did. She, I, I love President Corden. She is uh, just, uh, she's a hero of mine and a, and a huge mentor to me. So the call was extended uh, for me to serve in August of 2018. At the time, it was called the Young Women General Board. Uh, but, but recently, they've changed it now to be the Young Women um General Advisory Council. Is this your church calling? Like you don't have one in your ward? This Correct. is your calling? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, Liz uh, is off limits. She can't be called to the young women's in your ward. It was actually recently the Ward Relief Society president who'd been newly called and was a little bit newer in the ward, um, I guess it had asked, had submitted my name for some calling in the Relief like, Society. And they, and they were like, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> But I was really, I was really grateful she would think of me to be able to serve in that way. Um, so I, I, I'm not always able to attend my my ward. Um, I love when I am, but but I, I I attend a lot of other wards to see how their you know women programs are functioning. But that that has been an absolutely unbelievable experience um, to to be involved in that. Um, we meet up in the Relief Society building on Temple Square, which I feel like is the hidden gem of Temple Square. Where is it? I don't exactly. So know. So it is. Uh, it is just. Um, it's right by the temple, between the temple and the church uh, office building. There's a building between the Cobb. That's what I call yep, it because my grandpa worked at the church office yes. building forever. Uh, and the temple. Okay, that building. Okay. And it's, you know, it's a three-story building. I'm going to knock on it one day and be like, hey, they'll, Bonnie or Liz here? The, <laughs> I know them. <laughs> There'll be some wonderful <laughs> sisters that will give you a great tour. Uh, but it, it it really is a hidden gem. That, that building, uh, to me, feels... Um, really close to a temple and i hope that's not it is really sacrilegious to, to say it's that right there right? but um yeah. but it just but the feeling in that building there's a feeling of consecration of knowing that these these good women for years that's that saved money and gave money to be able to raise the money to to build that building um is that how it works mm-hmm. wow yep uh, the women themselves built Saved the money and helped yeah, so facilitate at the, it. At the time in the church, similar to how local buildings were built, you had to you had to kind of fundraise, so to speak, mm-hmm. to to be you know to, to have the money to to that build. That was until so, like twenty or thirty years ago in some places so, in the world, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. yeah. So it was it was a similar thing, and so women yeah. around the world were asked to give five dollars, and there were some countries in the world at the time where it was post World War II that weren't allowed to send 
money outside of their country. So they sent artifacts. And so the Relief Society building is uh, is decorated with these beautiful artifacts from all over the world, from these other sisters that couldn't give money but wanted to give something to show their support for this building. So That's really cool. So that that's where we that's where we meet. Obviously, during COVID, a lot has been over Zoom. Um, but we participate in, well, we, we help uh, provide instruction for uh, coordinating councils throughout the church, uh, uh, so priesthood leaders and young women leaders, uh, the young women program, and and now combined with the young men program, the children and youth program, uh, and um, we're on a lot of committees within the the church and the church office building that we that we serve on as well, uh, and some committees just within the the, the young women, um, and then a new recent part of the calling, which has been a really wonderful, neat blessing, is we liaison with the church area organization advisors across the world, which is a new calling for women internationally, where they are uh, called and set apart by the area presidency, and that's uh, and and they function. Uh, you know, under the priesthood keys of the area presidency to help instruct stake Relief Society young women and primary leaders across the world. But they have a direct link to uh, Salt Lake City and general leaders um, to receive instruction and to get questions answered so that we can uh, so that we can make sure around the world we're doing a really good job of helping to provide that great instruction and support. And so one of my assignments is that I'm assigned to liaison with the Philippines and these three wonderful sisters in the Philippines that serve as area organizational advisors there. So I'm on Zoom meetings with them, answering questions and telling them the latest of the Children and Youth Program. Um, so I get to I get to visit wards, visit with young women, um, instruct young women leaders, and uh, and and be involved in 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 councils. Uh, and counseling together about the needs of young women around the world and how we can help them all come to their Savior Jesus Christ. Counselor, counsels. <laughs> it's all it all ties back to sort of really little did you know, and I guess it helps every facet of life because it's like relationship based, right? Yes, is doing counseling, getting the mm-hmm. masters. You said, mm-hmm. yep, yep. It feel it feels like it's all connected to everything you're doing. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah, I, I think at the at the time, go, different times in my life, I. I think there have been many times in my life where I thought, what am I doing with my life? Or what am I going to do with my life? You know, and, you know, doors I, have opened. Doors have like. opened. Where I thought I was going to go to Utah State and play college volleyball. And then, okay, then I come to BYU. And then I thought, like a lot of people, okay, I thought I was going to get married and have kids. And that, you know, that didn't happen. And I thought, you know, all the all these things along the way. And, and but now being able to look back and uh, Elder Rasman talks about by divine design and looking back at so many things that have been connected and, and nudges I've received and, and uh, revelation that I've received and, and hopefully followed well to be able to um, take advantage of opportunities that that have been provided for me that I think really have led up to a lot of what I'm doing now, but had no idea at the time, but grateful for a loving Father in Heaven and Savior Jesus Christ who the plan's all there and, and we do our best to we do our best to listen. And even at times where maybe we don't do it all the right way, but there's a there's 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 always other opportunities to be able to to do what they need us to do. Okay. Now we're gonna talk about perhaps the most important thing we've talked about as it pertains to BYU athletics, which you just said is the most important thing, as it pertains to BYU athletics. So in 2016, BYU is a serious candidate for Big 12 expansion. Didn't work out. One of the conversation pieces was a complaint about BYU and policies in the church and LGBTQ plus stuff. This is where some of the work that you have done comes in to be really, really important. Because what is perceived at BYU is not true as it pertains to that. So let's talk about the NCAA Common Ground. 
what what is it? How do you help BYU with it? And then sort of this landmark, like BYU hosts this event that people don't know about and need to know about that really helps in this conversation of what the reality is about BYU. And then when Big 12 expansion happens again, BYU is included, and it's not really a conversation point because BYU, the reality is different than what the perception was. And I'm really proud of what uh, BYU has done and the strides we're trying to make in this area. So kind of walk us through NCAA Common Ground. Uh, thank you. It's very near and dear to my heart and uh, and wasn't on my radar, not part of my job description when I took this job. But uh, but uh, in one of my weekly meetings with Tom Homo, he, I, I still remember, it's funny, I remember him handing me a, a post-it note and it said on it, Common Ground. And he said, hey, have you heard of this? I said, no, what is it? He goes, I don't really know either, but could you look into it for me and just let me know kind of what it is? Give me a little report. When is this? Uh, so this was... Uh, Summer of 2016, late summer. This is when the Big 12 had— or Maybe early fall. It, the first, mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to get in. They're looking at us. They say we're not expanding. Yeah, this was after that. So yeah. late summer, early fall. I don't remember, but, but yeah, at okay. some point in that time. Um, and so I, th- I think someone from—someone else had kind of told them about it. So I literally went back to my office and Googled NCAA Common Ground. We no idea what it was. And— uh, and there was a, a report written about this first common ground meeting that took place in 2014 at NCAA headquarters in Indianapolis. And um, BYU wasn't involved in that, uh, hadn't even heard of it. And it was a small group at that point, I think of like 40 people. And so I started reading the report and was really intrigued by it, but also, frankly, expected to read a report that was going to bash religion because I saw that this was about LGBTQ issues and 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 religion. And my bias, I, I started reading it and kind of critical and thinking this was just going to bash religion, and it didn't. The report talked about these good people that were truly trying to come together and better understand each other's perspectives. Many from You're the LGBTQ— You're saying from religions and right, LGBTQ+. Right, m- many from the LGBTQ community, gotcha. many from religious communities, and many both. I mean, obviously, a lot of LGBTQ people that are people of deep, deep faith— um, but uh, and so as I read more about this report, I just got more intrigued because I just thought, wow, these people are really trying to do this. They're trying to better understand and find common ground in a time and in our country where it feels like that's that's hard. And so in reading the report and the, the people that attended were many of them LGBTQ advocates, uh, uh, many were athletic administrators from faith based institutions, uh, Christian colleges and then others from some public schools. Uh, I, I just thought this this looks really intriguing. So met with Tom and essentially said, this looks really interesting, Tom. And I, this seems like a bunch of really fair minded people that are that are trying to find common ground uh, because they care about student athletes. And I think we should see if we can get involved. And he said, great. You know, th- thanks for the thank you for the report. I'm glad to hear that. And that was sort of the end of the end of it at that point. Um and then it was maybe a few weeks later, I was at a, a conference for women athletic administrators. Uh, it's called Women Leaders in College Sports, an annual conference I go to every year. And I noticed there's a breakout session on LGBTQ inclusion in sports. And one of the speakers, uh, presenters, I recognized her name from this Common Ground report I read. Her name was Nevin Capel. And so it just kind of piqued my interest. And so I, I remember texting Tom and saying, hey, I recognize this name from the Common Ground report. I don't think this session's about Common Ground, but do you want me to go to it and see if she brings anything up? And he said, yeah, why don't you? 
So uh, I immediately regretted that because this was on the heels of, of that Big 12 decision. And it was not uh, a time where um, it was easy to, to say, oh, I'm from BYU. I, you know, it was super recent that, that it had kind of been over the over the news of some things. And, and, and I think we we're a little misunderstood and, um, and certainly there are things we could work on as well. But, but, and so I sat in the back and at that point, it's funny, it's hard for me to put myself back in that place now because we talk about LGBTQ issues now in our department all the time. But at that point, it was not something that we talked about much. And so for me, a BYU employee to go sit in the session at the time felt very out of place. And I sat in the back and I literally turned my name tag over because I, I just, I was uncomfortable and I, and I didn't know how to have these conversations and I just, I just was uncomfortable. Um, the session was a good session, some really good information. They mentioned Common Ground super briefly, but, uh, but didn't talk much about it. After the session, I got up to leave and, uh, and felt prompted that I needed to go introduce myself uh, to the presenters. And I thought, no way, I'm not doing that. <laughs> You would just turn your name tag I turned my name tag over. You don't want anyone to know who you are. Absolutely not. Yeah. So I kept walking out and then felt prompted again that I needed to go introduce myself. And I turned around and there was this, you know, long line of people now to talk to them. And I thought, I don't want to be late to the next session. I'll I'll catch them at at, at lunch. And then a third time felt like you need to go introduce yourself now. Um, And so... Um, I went and got in line to introduce myself to Nevin Capel and Kristen Matha, the other presenter. Um, and I shudder to think now if I hadn't have listened to the Spirit and and a loving Father in Heaven who gave me three chances to listen to the Spirit, um, which I think, for me, when I think back on it, says how important this work is, um, that I was given three chances. Um, and I promised myself I would never make the Spirit prompt me three times anymore. Um, Two is okay. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a, I'm a first-time minder, as my mother likes to say. This is a crucial moment in the history of BYU and, to some degree, the church. This moment you're describing. Um, you know, I, th- I think it's interesting. Again, one of those things where you look back on ex- – at the time, yeah. I'm at this conference. I'm sitting there um, and just have this prompting. Um, but looking back now, I think, oh, wow. And And God can do his own work. He can do his own work. But I'm grateful he gave me three chances so that I could be a part of doing his work. And um, so I was able to, to chat with them briefly. And um, I just introduced myself and said, you know, BYU would love to know how BYU could get involved. Notice I said BYU would love to know how BYU could get involved. And they said, uh, you know, pretty sure we're full. The next one's in a couple weeks, but we'll give us your card. We'll give it to the person in charge. So I gave him my card and... Uh, Walked out of there feeling like, okay, who knows? Nothing might ever come of that, but I followed the spirit. And maybe at least now when they think of BYU, they'll be like, oh, there's that, you know, nice woman that sat in the back, whatever. Um, The next day I got an email from Dr. Amy Wilson, who's the managing director of inclusion at the NCAA, uh, saying, hey, I... Your name was passed along, uh, expressing interest, and we are full. We're actually over full. But the leadership team... uh, decided that we would like to create a, a spot for you to attend representing BYU. Mm. And my heart sank <laughs> because I thought, no, 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 I didn't say me. I just said BYU would like to know how BYU could be involved. Yeah, uh, This wasn't 
this, you know, I was just going to a session because I recognized the name and said, Tom, do you want me to go and see what this is about? Um, so my, my heart sank. And I thought I didn't ask Tom for approval. You know, I, I, I just was saying to, you know, be what you'd like to know. But all of a sudden I now have this invitation to attend this thing. And I'm thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what I meant. So I'm in over my head a little bit here. Um, but I remember calling Tom and telling him that. And he was like, we wanted an invitation. We got an invitation. That's great. And he said, "But you know, let me let me check. <laughs> let me let me check with some folks." And yes. and the 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 council came back. The recommendation, which I agreed with, was, um, well, my recommendation would have been not me. Let's send someone else. But the recommendation came back. Accept the invitation, but see if you can take someone with you because there have been some other people on campus working on things. And uh, and Amy um, emailed back and very uh, politely just said. We literally created this spot for you. Like we are over full, you know, but maybe your colleague could be involved in some future things, but kind of like it's you or it's nobody. Mm-hmm. So I got that information back to Tom and he, you know, talked to some folks on campus and, and it was, it was like, okay, Liz, attend this. And so the, uh, President Worthen and Tom essentially said, attend this. And Steve Sandberg uh, who uh, general counsel for BYU, who had been working on 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 these issues, was kind to meet with me before and just uh, kind of talk me through a little bit of some things in terms of the history of BYU and uh, our honor code and and um, you know some some efforts that were being made that have been made with the church in particular too with um, fa- the fairness for all approach of the state of Utah and. Um, so you're getting educated because mm-hmm. you've been thrown into this space. Mm-hmm. You're asking questions. You're learning. Yes. But you're pretty new to oh, this, it feels it, like. Or or did you feel – or is this, again, like we've talked about, here I am in a new space. I'm going to have to figure this out oh, with gosh. help from others. Like this is another chapter, right, in your Absolutely. discovery book? Absolutely. Um, and I, you're repping <laughs> BYU and to yeah. some degree, Liz, the church. Right. Yeah, I felt um, extremely inadequate and really scared, frankly, um, mostly because I didn't want to represent BYU or the church or my savior in a way that was uh, that was not. Um, yeah, that was not worthy of representing the savior the way he should be represented. And I wanted to represent BYU and the church well um, on an important subject. On a really important subject yeah. that um, that matters because we're mm-hmm. talking about souls here, you know, it matters. And um, yeah, so I don't know how long your podcast is, but I could talk about this for five hours. Um, so I don't know how much Please. more you want me to go into go. it, but um, so I went to Indianapolis. So this was now called Common Ground Two. The first Common Ground meeting was 2014. This is now 2016. So they didn't have one in 2015. And uh, uh, it started in in the afternoon, and so I arrived the night before and uh, was able to attend a session at the Indianapolis Temple that morning and was really grateful for that because um, I knew even with the preparation from Steve and others, I knew I needed heavenly help. And um, so it was really grateful to be able to to be able to be in the temple um, and and I remember just feeling, not feeling like, oh, it's all going to be okay, but, but, but having the very strong feeling that God was aware of me. Mm. And, and that was, um, and, that, and that brought some peace. Um, 
when I left the temple, I took a selfie of myself with the temple in the background, and I sent it. I texted it to Steve Sandberg and to Tom, just saying, okay, here we go. Um, my parents and my siblings and their spouses all were fasting for me that day because mm. they knew um, the anxiety I was feeling about this. Um, and that um, I just I wanted to represent BYU well and the church well. Um, so that afternoon, uh, along with... Uh, others, we you know picked up our name tags and mixed and mingled a little bit. Um, and I remember uh, meeting Pat Griffin, um, and uh, she she was re- it, it, she was retired a retired professor from UMass Amherst. I didn't know that at the time, but uh, we were just making small talk as people were arriving and, and mixing and mingling. And and I remember. Uh, she said, and now where are you from? And I said, oh, I'm from BYU. And she kind of just, there, there was sort of this pause of like, oh. And it was sort of that moment where, where you're kind of sizing people up that we all do. We don't want to do it. I, I wish we were better at not. I, I wish we were better at just, you know, getting to know people for who they are. But there was this moment of, oh, okay. That's what side you're on, even though it's it's not about sides. And I had kind of done the same thing of 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 like, OK, this is the side you're on. And I remember that pause and in my mind thinking, say something, Liz, say something, Liz, say something, Liz, because it was it was awkward. There's like this awkward pause. And I said, so how's the weather in Massachusetts? <laughs> And I remember thinking, wow, how pathetic. The only thing I could think of to say or to ask or to have a conversation about was the weather. Um, And Pat and I can laugh about that now because she, along with Amy Wilson and so many others, are literally some of my dearest friends in the world. Um, But at the time, like, that's all I could think of to say to someone that I'm like, I don't, you know, what do I have in common with this person? But Um, you're trying. Yeah. How's the weather in Massachusetts? Uh, but that that day was filled with some really uh, uh, hard uh, but but impactful experiences. Uh, it's it was it was two days. A professional facilitator who was a member of the leadership team as well. So the, the leadership team and the professional facilitator had planned had planned these activities, and they really are designed to uh, for people to be really vulnerable and to um, and to have these important discussions. Uh, one of the first activities. 40 of us in a circle and the facilitator make a statement. It's designed to just get to know people better of kind of who's who's here at this thing. So join me on Common Ground if you're from the East Coast. And if you're from the East Coast, you take a step forward. Uh, and so those the, the, the statements at first were, were pretty simple. And, you know, people would step forward and it's like, oh, okay, look what we have in common with people. Um, but then they got more personal. It was join me on Common Ground if you are spiritual. And most of the people step forward. And join me on Common Ground if you... Uh, are religious and less people join me on common ground if you're Christian and less people and then the next question was join me on common ground if you're Mormon and I was the only one to step forward and as I'm looking around that room I mean it was probably two seconds it felt like a lot longer than that um, as people are sort of staring at me and I'm thinking to myself what in the world are they thinking about me how are they judging me how are they misjudging me? Uh, I felt exposed and pointed out, and I wondered who is going to be my ally these next two days. This is the first activity 
um, this is the first activity. This is the first activity. So you're like, whoa. And I'm feeling very alone. I'm literally standing in the center there alone. And um, so I stepped back and things continued and there were other, um, you know, powerful statements made of joy beyond common ground. Um, if you've ever been told you're going to hell because you're gay by someone in your church and multiple people step forward. Join me on Common Ground if you've ever contemplated suicide because you thought it'd be better to be dead than to be gay. And multiple people stepped forward and you could feel the pain in the room. And it became very clear to me why people are fighting so hard on these issues. It's because we're, we're talking about souls. We're talking about core identities of people. We're talking about deeply held religious beliefs and we're talking about sexual orientation and gender identity. We're, we're talking about really core parts of who people are. And so no wonder people are, are, are fighting so hard for things that impact, uh, impact them. Um, but that was the first activity. And, and then throughout the day, there are other activities and hard conversations and also some really good conversations. Um, but then there was an experience toward the end of that first day where, where it kind of played out where I, I felt again, sort of alone and, and, and kind of exposed and I felt misjudged kind of in front of the group. Um, and, and, uh, in that moment I could feel myself getting angry. And so I, so I just said a prayer to know how to respond in this moment where I feel like I'm being really misjudged and pointed out and unfairly I felt. And as I, as I prayed to know how to respond, I was very surprised that I ended up thanking another participant for giving me the opportunity to clarify something I'd said because I wouldn't want to be misunderstood. And I thanked that other participant for reminding all of us that the most important part of this common ground work are our student athletes and their welfare. And that is the most important part of these conversations is, is student athletes and, and their health and their safety. And, and, um, and, and I, I, went on to talk a little bit more and clarify something I'd said. And when I was done, I was still really, I mean, I was, I was shaking. I was, um, I was shaking a little bit. Absolutely. Because it felt like what play, what I thought might play out played out where I really was like, okay, I'm alone in this. And what, what do I do? But then two really interesting things happened. Amy Wilson, um, who again, I didn't know beforehand, uh, she she kind of just interrupted and said, you know, I think it's really important for people to understand that that um, we didn't invite BYU here. BYU asked if they could come. Liz asked if BYU could become a part of this, and I said, I think that says a lot about their intentions. And so here's someone uh, that that was kind of helping to oversee this program um, that didn't owe me anything, didn't owe BYU anything. She didn't know me. Uh, but yet she, um, but she felt strongly to to give some context and and wanted to stand up for me in a way that I couldn't stand up for myself in that moment, and that was the first great lesson I learned about how to be an ally was was from Amy Wilson, and then as the facilitator went on to the next activity, I still was kind of shaking and really shaken up by this experience. Um, it was pretty heated. It felt like a lot of tension, and I was just really shaken up. And Pat was at my same table, and we were facing the the front, and Pat turned around, literally did like a 180, turned around in her chair, looked me in the eye, and just put her hand on my on my on my knee and just said, Liz, are you okay? And I started sobbing. Um and again, here's Pat who 
I didn't really think I had anything in common with um, who was on the quote unquote other side of this issue. Um, she didn't know me or BYU, but she saw someone in distress and wanted to reach out and make sure I was okay. And that taught me the second great lesson of being an ally, which is when we see people in distress, we can reach out um, and say, hey, are you okay? I want to walk your journey with you. Um, and so those two lessons I have taken back to BYU. And when I was in the middle of that circle as the only member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I felt alone, and I felt misjudged, I felt pointed out and exposed, and I wonder who was going to be my ally. Um, I think we have a lot of our LGBTQ students on this campus that feel that sometimes. Um, whether it's whether it's because they're LGBTQ, whether it's because they are not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, whether it's because uh, they're black, whether it's because they're an international student, but that, that feel alone and that feel judged or misjudged and um, and look around and think, who is going to understand me or take time to try to understand me? Who's going to be my ally here? And so I promised myself that when I got back here that I would do everything I can um, to speak up for those that maybe can't speak up for themselves all the time and to be like Pat Griffin and metaphorically do a 180, turn around in my chair, look someone in the eye and say, are you okay? And I want to walk your journey with you. Um, so again, I could go on for hours and hours, but those are two critical lessons I've learned from Common Ground. Um, that it, it led to some neat experiences. Um, there was a panel of Common Ground leadership team members that presented at the NCAA convention that year. President Worthen and Tom and I were all at the convention and all were able to sit and watch that, which was really neat because I'd been able to come back and present to President Worthen and Tom and a few vice presidents about my experience, and they were very receptive to that, to what I learned and some ideas of what we could do. Um, but then being able to see that panel where they could see for themselves these conversations between some LGBTQ advocates and um, and some, some Christian folks that worked at Christian schools. And I remember us kind of talking afterwards saying, how could we ever do that at BYU? Like, how could we get that at BYU? Kind of motioning to this, this conversation they were having. Um, I was I was uh, grateful for the invitation to be added to the leadership team in 2017. Uh, we also had uh, President Worthen invited Amy Wilson to come to our campus in 2017, and she spent two days with our athletic department and other areas of campus uh, doing some training with us. Um, and then we were able to host Common Ground 4. There's a Common Ground 3 in Houghton College, which I helped to, to plan. Um, and then we were able to host Common Ground 4 in 2018. That's an unbelievable thing that you go in two years from feeling alone in this circle to hosting the event. How was the event at BYU in 2018? It was really a, an incredible experience. Um, we convinced the leadership team to come out a few days early and spend time meeting with various areas of campus uh, and our athletic department so we could take advantage of having these incredible people, these experts, uh, um, these LGBTQ experts that have common ground hearts to come to our campus and, and help and help us. So there were incredible conversations that happened leading up to the actual common ground meeting, meeting with these different areas of campus. Um, it, it happened to be the week that Brian Stevenson was the forum speaker. And so we were able to attend that as a as a leadership team, which also just felt very poignant, where Brian Stevenson talks about proximity and getting proximate. And here, these leadership team members, and then ultimately these 60 participants, they were choosing to get proximate to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, 
And for many of them, I think that was the first time many of them had gotten to know members of, of our church. And, and we, as a university, were choosing to get proximate by inviting them in to say, come here and let's have this conversation here. Uh, so really important conversations and dialogue that happened, um, um, that, that continue to happen. Um, we had Common Ground uh, 5 at University of Texas in 2019. Um, and then uh, with COVID, we, we weren't able to have it. And we're now planning a, a virtual Common Ground 6 that will take place uh, in 2022. What work needs to be done in that area still, not only at BYU, but in the space you control, I suppose, although you've been sort of representing beyond athletics almost, it feels mm-hmm. like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at BYU, I know you've hired Whitney Johnson, diversity, inclusion, uh, student welfare is super important. You've talked about that. What what else uh, is there to be done in this area? I think we've learned a, a lot and we've grown a lot. Um, being part of the Common Ground Initiative, I think there have been two important pieces of that. The first one and the most important one are the lessons we've learned on how we can better support our student-athletes at BYU uh, and, and, and beyond that, just students at BYU. That is the most important. But then the other one is, is that we've been able to, um, to build bridges of understanding and dialogue across difference with other good people with Common Ground Hearts. Uh, that that have um, given us opportunity to share more about who we are and our faith and our beliefs and our doctrine, uh, but in an environment of respect for one another. Uh, and so both of those things continue. We continue to learn ways that we can better support uh, our student athletes uh, on the margins, whatever for whatever that looks like, uh, and then also we continue to be grateful for opportunities to share more about about who we are. Uh, and so while we, uh, I'm grateful that we are putting more resources and human resources into some of these areas in athletics. Um, uh, we we talk about it a lot more now. It, it's something that it's a part. You know, we do yearly trainings. We liaison with the Office of Student Success and Inclusion for training with our athletic teams, with our coaches and our employees. We're anxious and excited about the new Office of Belonging and the Vice President level position, and are anxious to liaison there as well. Um, but but offering that support and truly creating an athletic department where our student athletes know and feel that they that they belong. But a lot of it is education, uh, is is helping um, our our staff and coaches and administrators get proximate to uh, to those with different experiences than they have. Um, so we are always looking to continue to learn to learn and to grow. Getting into the Big 12 is, to me, the biggest moment in BYU athletics history and the university. Some may disagree with that, but I think it is. it just changes everything. It really does. It didn't go how we wanted it in 2016. For whatever reason, in 2021, Texas and Oklahoma leave the league. There are openings, right? They need something. Uh, they expand, and BYU's in. What went into that? How awesome was 2016 in helping with this? Um, as one of the senior uh, associate athletic directors, this is this is a massive deal. I'm, I'm sure you guys mm-hmm. celebrated this hard. I know you guys the day of uh, had a, had a party. It was great, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's been quite the journey. And 2016, we felt like we were in a in a good position. You know, we felt like we were in a position of strength. We felt like we had so much to offer. Uh, and we were given opportunity to, to to tell a little about who we were, which we were grateful for. And in person, uh, lots of non-disclosure agreements <laughs> signed. And wait, question on that: 
are are you still bound to the NDA signed in 2016, or because BYU isn't in the league now, can you talk? That's a great question. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, that's, I want we'll to I open up the 2016. We'll have to ask Steve Sandberg and Christian Fox about that one. That's a really good question. Um, but 2016, the Big 12 deciding ultimately not to expand. Um, I still remember Tom and how he framed that with our department. And it's similar to how he framed COVID with our department. It wasn't a woe was me, woe was us. Oh, you know, we didn't get picked again or we, you know, or we're always picked on or this or that or whatever. It was, hey, what are we going to learn from this? And we're going to move forward and we're going to come out of this better than we were. And, and that's what we did. And so from 2016 till now, you look at our programs and our teams and they were all doing, I mean, they were doing really well, but, but are doing even better. Uh, and we look at what we do in terms of student-athlete support. We're doing even better. We uh, look at what we're doing in terms of um, just building relationships with those across the country. I think we're doing even better. Uh, there, there are so many areas where— NIL. NIL. Crushed it. Absolutely. You, you, look, at these, you look at these opportunities that have come, and, and instead of wasting our time— thinking, woe is me, or, 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 uh, but no, it's just, okay, how can we learn and grow from this and be better? And, and this time around, I think we felt like we were in a great position then. We're even, even better position now to say, this is who we are and this is what we have to offer. And we really want to partner with you. Um, and, and so that absolutely it, and talk about years and decades of work by so many people to make that possible. Uh, Obviously, Tom being the most important piece of that. I mean, years and years of work and vision um, and Brian Santiago and, and everything he did and Matt Richardson, uh, our previous vice president, and Keith Vorkink and President Worthen and so many others behind the scenes in every area that worked for years and years and years uh, to be able to get us in a position to, to, to be in the Big 12. And you think of now, um, we, we have a lot of work now to do in the next couple of years to be ready to, to enter in a position of strength. But we're so thrilled and excited for our, our student athletes and for our coaches. Uh, and and it's really neat to think about the opportunities that will now continue to come, but maybe even in a bigger stage, for us to be able to share with the world who we are. And um, sorry if I get a little emotional talking about it, but um, B- I love BYU sports. I love BYU sports. Um, I love Brigham Young University. Um, and I love the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And President Kimball gave the Second Century Address, uh, 1975, and he talked about BYU and who we are and who we can become. And it is inspiring to read his message and to see some things that have already come to fruition and some things that have yet to be achieved. And there are some mountains we can see and there are some we won't see until we climb the current mountain. Um, But our invitation to the Big 12 feels like it was one of those mountains that now we've received that invitation, we're at the top of that one, and now we can see the next mountain that we couldn't even see before and what's ahead. And knowing that we have an opportunity to uh, do things differently at a time when college athletics, when there is so much change right now, there's a lot of uncertainty, um, but we have the best anchor in the world. Uh, we are we are anchored to our university, and our university is anchored to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is anchored to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so as we continue to go forward and as new things come up and new challenges, knowing that that is our anchor uh, and that we have uh, things to offer and that we can share that message with the world of who we are and why we do things differently, 
gosh, I can't imagine being a part of anything better. It's just, it's wonderful to be a part of BYU Athletics right now. It's extremely exciting and I'm sure validating because this athletic department has felt like a power five for a long time. But to actually be included, it's like, <sighs> finally. That's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Did it feel like that to you guys? There was. There was this little bit of validation and feeling from... A little bit. (laughs) A lot. There was a lot of validation. And feeling from the Big 12, they were were excited to have us. Like sincerely. They're sincerely excited to to have us. We have been so warmly welcomed uh, by the conference office and by the different institutions. And that just feels good. And we feel like we belong because they've helped us. They've helped make us feel like we belong already. And what a great reminder and lesson for us as with our athletic department of how we can create an athletic department um, where everyone feels they, they belong. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're, we're, th- we're thrilled, thrilled to be a, to partner with these great institutions and be a part of the big 12, just absolutely thrilled uh, because it also doesn't feel like uh, it's like we had to beg and say, please take us. And this is why it was like, they were thrilled and excited to invite us and they know what we have to offer Um and and we're excited to learn and grow uh, and learn from these other institutions as well. It's just we're it's going to be an outstanding partnership. So 2016 was probably on the other end of that. Hey, but, and tell me if I'm wrong. Please take us. But, and then this time you're saying was we want you come on in. There, there was certainly a, a, a feeling of that in terms of I think just even the way it was set up with the Big Twelve of you know inviting certain schools to to, to make presentations. Apply, essentially. Right. Right. Yeah, and you physically go to probably so, Dallas. I'm guessing. So and, then there's yeah. there's a there's a feeling of okay we have to put our best foot forward and how do we how do we sell ourselves and was this and that. Was the process different? The, the the process was different. There you were didn't there have were to go do there were there were the process was different in terms of there were still a lot of conversations but it felt a lot. Uh, a, a lot more that they were that they were conversations as opposed to uh, we're going to sit here and you're going to tell me. us yeah sell yep. us on why on gotcha. why you should be here we, they already we, knew what you were it was a, you already it, done it right five years before right, right little did we know like you said sort of the mm-hmm. what you, what'd you say from Elder Razman divine by divine design divine design in 2016 maybe it's divine design that mm-hmm. you apply and mm-hmm. don't get it yeah and then 21 the timing another good talk by yes. uh, Elder Oaks back in 02. I think, or a one at BYU changed my mm-hmm. mission, changed my life. Right thing at the right time. Maybe yes. the right, maybe the yes. right thing wasn't BYU in the Big Twelve in 2016. Maybe who knows? It, who knows? 2021, three in this mm-hmm. case. It's the right time, maybe. Right, yeah. and and you look at the lessons that have been learned from 2016 and beyond, and uh, and the the, the, the growth that's happened. Yes, in, in, in certain so people in certain places. Mm-hmm. Dave mm-hmm. Rose was an amazing dude. There's a new era. It's Mark Pope. It's D- Big Twelve basketball. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. he's. Probably the right guy to take us in there, right? And so on and so forth. Heather Olmstead, the right volleyball coach. Mm-hmm. You know, Jen Rockwood. Hopefully she's still not retired. Oh, you know, absolutely. Who knows? Like, oh, she's taking us into the Big 12. Yeah, she's taking – let's go, you know, which which is super exciting. Okay, I want to finish with this. Uh, are you working on a doctorate? I am. Oh, my gosh. Again, you don't have time for anything. It's, yes. A quali- hey, Liz, you want it? <laughs> nope, no time. <laughs> A qualitative study about Latter-day Saint women in leadership and higher education. Is yes, that the phrase? That is. I'm impressed. Well, I'm writing the same one. No, just kidding. <laughs> Good. So, we can compare yeah. notes. <laughs> What's that like, trying to finish a doctorate in an important uh, study that you certainly have some expertise in, mm-hmm. uh, Latter-day Saint women in leadership and higher education? Yes. You're doing it all over the place. Yes. I uh, did two years of coursework. This is, it's, it's through BYU, the educational leadership program through BYU. And the two years of coursework were 
super challenging, but also amazing. My, I'm in a cohort, and and these are amazing colleagues, and we've learned a lot from each other. And and then started the dissertation process uh, right after COVID started, and so didn't make a lot of progress my first year, but was able to get my uh, IRB approval in place and my prospectus defense uh, completed. Um, but then, yeah, so so this study, I interviewed 16 women at BYU who serve in leadership capacities about their leadership journey. And uh, and it has been fascinating and inspiring. Uh, I, I feel so fortunate. Uh, I feel like I've interviewed 16. I mean, there are remarkable men and women all over this campus, but I got to interview 16 of them and just hear their stories and the things I'm learning from it. And so right now I'm at the uh, part of the process where I am coding my data. So I'm looking for themes in these transcripts of these interviews. And, and on those uh, based on those themes, then uh, we'll put together uh, a construct of of um, of some some things that perhaps we can learn from it. And then I will be writing my life away for the next couple of months. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it's hard. A dissertation isn't something, this is what I've learned, isn't something that you can just give uh, a, a half hour to here or there. It, it takes so much mentally and emotionally to get in the mode of it. Uh, that it feels like you need at least an hour, and even then, well, luckily at lunchtime. Like <laughs> right, <laughs> even then, after an hour, it, it's just you spent 15 minutes of it just getting your head back in that space, and so it's been challenging to find those big chunks of time. Um, I, I pull some all-nighters, which I don't recommend. It's not a healthy way of living, but it's kind of the one time when the noise is away, and I'm not getting pinged on things, and I can sort of hyper focus. Um, uh, and then there have been some 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 flights on flights. I do it a lot because again, it's a time when I don't get interrupted as much, but I'm loving it. It's been a really neat experience. Uh, and I'm learning a lot of, of, of things that I hope will be helpful. I mean, I, who actually reads dissertations, but I have the goal that someone <laughs> besides my people. parents will actually read my dissertation. That's the goal. I'll read it. You'd send Thanks. it to me. Perfect. I'll read it. Yeah. Done. So there'll be at least three. There Preston's you your brother. That I yeah, know. He's we'll not, see. He's not going to read it. He, yeah, There's probably no not. <laughs> yeah, he's too busy with Delta now. <laughs> well, you've done some amazing work um, so far. In your in your journey here, which has been amazing, you're all your your tentacles of leadership and understanding and discovery are all over the place, which is awesome. Um, thanks for sharing a few minutes uh, with me to kind of talk about your journey, and I can't wait to hear about when you finish your doctorate. It'll be great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This has been really great. And thanks for your work, honestly, with Common Ground. I think that's really important. It is. It's it been has amazing. been. It has become a huge part of my life and really impactful, and I'm uh, just feel very grateful to be a part of it. Thanks. Awesome, Liz. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Okay, that'll do it for us. Listen to previous episodes on the BYU Radio app or where podcasts are found. For Liz Dargren, producer Trent Reimschusel, and my homie Peter, I'm Jerem Jordan. You've just listened to Deep Blue on BYU Radio.